Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent, who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future. I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you, and good night. I love you.
Hello, everybody. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. I'm Rory Sauter, your host. Happy Tuesday to all of you. I hope you all are having a fantastic day. I hope it's fun. I hope it's productive. I hope it's going accordingly. Uh, we had a huge show last night. Uh, great rhythm, great dialogue, so smooth, um, amazing uh, things addressed, and wonderful guests, and uh, such fantastic people on our panel as usual. Uh, like I do every episode, I want to thank all my guests, my co-hosts, my audience and sponsors. Uh, you are all incredible, and you are some of the main reasons that this show uh, keeps doing as good as it's doing and keeps going forward. I mean, it just keeps getting better and better every single episode. And uh, I just, I, I'm just so blessed, and I, and I can't thank everybody enough. Um, there is so much, so much to get into tonight. Uh, but as usual, uh, if you ever miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, please visit my media site, thenextgenusa.com. And uh, please uh, remember, in the coming weeks, in about a month, actually, we will be launching uh, the brand-new huge media network uh, that uh, we're very excited uh, to put out there. Uh, we're raising a lot of money for it. Uh, we already have about 80 to 85% of the show slots filled up with notable guests. So we'll be having many notable guests doing their own shows in the United States and overseas. And as everybody knows, this will be a 24-7 network. And uh, the faces of the network are two, two of the people. Uh, one of them will be Joe Arpaio, America's Toughest Sheriff, good friend of mine, as well as another good friend of mine, uh, Robert Spencer, who's the head of Jihad Watch. So as everybody knows, both of those guys have millions of followers, and, you know, they're going to bring a lot to the table. And, uh, you know, they're, they're going to get a lot of, out of it as well. So it's going to strongly benefit them, benefit them and, uh, you know, Having those names with our media site uh, is just a, so amazing, so wonderful to have this opportunity. I, I will tell you that. Very, very blessed. Um, a lot, a lot to get into. Let me, um, let me introduce uh, my panel. Uh, founder of College Republicans United, founder of Republicans United, and currently the leader of Nationalists United, Kevin Dukeifer. Kevin, how are you? I'm doing very wonderfully, Rory. It's another beautiful day in America. Couldn't be happier. I hope you're doing well, too. Thanks, buddy. Well, great to have you here. Uh, it sure is. Amen to that. Uh, I also want to welcome, uh, I believe I believe we have on the show, uh, Gordon Harkwitz from Florida. How are you, Gordon? I'm doing fabulous. How are you doing today? Doing well, man. Good to have you here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Definitely a lot A lot of what we'll all get into. Uh, I also would like to welcome to the show, um, let me see if I have him. Hold on one second. Give me a second. Uh, bear with me, everybody. David, David Dupas. David is, uh, he lives in uh, Northern Wait. Virginia. Northern, Northern Virginia. Uh, he's uh, a, a U.S. Navy veteran. And, David, tell everybody all the defense classes you teach uh, for, for different organizations and stuff. Okay, I teach, um, you know, self-defense. I teach um, uh, guns. I, I teach weapons, how to, uh, how to handle weapons. But the way I teach it is unique because what I do you're is I out, teach – You're cutting out, David. Uh, now you're good. Hello? 
Now you're good. Are you still there? Yes. Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Um, so the way I teach it is I, I teach it in a, uh, a very unique way. I use most of the brain power, teach people how to use their mind You're going uh, in and out, instead of the actual physical action to really, you know, cement it in there. So when it comes time for them to step yeah, David, David cut out. I don't know what was going on with his connection. Um, but uh, we do have a, we do have a lot more people calling in, but I do, I want to get into the opening segment, obviously, which is uh, big stuff going on in the media. So much to get into. And I, and I have a lot, a lot of stories, but the opening one, and I think it's very important is talk about this Antifa bullshit. I mean, these people, are out of control, and you have the left coddling them, enabling them, egging them on, clap, I mean, clap, clapping everything they do. There, there's, no, there's no disavowing them. There's no, you know, uh, calling them out or condemning them. This, is, this, this whole ideology that we're living with in America is completely backwards. We have Republicans getting threatened constantly. Conservatives are, their lives are on the line. We've had probably, I think I've counted nearly 300, um, well, it's not probably, yeah, it's about nearly 300 hate crimes against conservatives to date. In the last, actually in like the last, yeah, this is like in the last couple of years. And there hasn't even, there, there hasn't even, there's been like a fraction uh, of cr- crimes like that against Democrats from our side. So what, what does that show you? I mean, we, we are not the fascists. We are not the violent ones. We are, we are not the ones that, you know, are the problem here. And, you know, I, I don't know how, how, how much more twisted and sick our society has to get. Uh, you know, I mean, it, it's gone way overboard. I mean, at this point, people are condoning on the left Antifa to hurt people physically. I mean, I understand the left has always been, you know, dirty and, and, and crooked and, and, you know, definitely corrupt. But it's never been to this extent. I mean, it, this violence and hostility, like I've said many times on the show, is at a whole new level of of insanity. I've never seen anything like this. You know, I've been following politics for a long time. I mean, think about it like this, guys. Walking out your front door, you're at risk. You never know what's going to happen to you. You want to walk down that street with that mega hat on your head or that Trump t-shirt. You know, the, the, the fact that we can't openly believe what we want to believe and, you know, practice what we want to practice in our life is shameful. But these people, you know, we never bothered them. I mean, we, we hated Obama. We despised Obama. Obama was the biggest pig, you know, on earth. But we didn't go attacking his supporters simply because we, we disagree. We, you know, I mean, these people, you know, this whole bigotry and racism, you know, you know, they try to throw the word racism and bigotry at us. They're the real bigots. They're the real racists on the left. They're the real fascists. Silencing free speech, attacking people because they don't agree with you, you know, targeting Trump supporters at rallies. 
for outsider rallies is happening a lot. It does it does it doesn't end and it's scary. It really is scary. I mean you have, for instance, Matt Gates, great great one of the one of the very few politicians I actually respect and like out of Florida. Some guy left a voicemail on his recording saying he was and that, you know, this in so many words, basically saying he was, you know, gonna gonna take a he was gonna take a gun and and go after Matt Gates. That's what that's what he, that's what this guy said on the recording. And guess what? They did an investigation, and they found no cause of a threat from this guy. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? This guy basically threatens Matt Gates' life, and the cops in Florida don't do anything about it. Something here is politically motivated. I mean, and I've said this many times before. I believe that a lot of different departments around our country are in bed with many of the Democrat, you know, uh, Democrat organizations. And this is why some of this stuff happens, is why Democrats never get held accountable. How many times have you seen Antifa go to, go to jail? Very rare. I mean, I know they went to jail for this last incident in Portland, but rarely do we see these people in handcuffs like they should. Like if somebody on the right did this, they'd be in handcuffs in a second. And how how, how often do you see, you know, people like, um, and, and I was just talking about this the other day, people like Michael Avenatti or, or people like, you know, that, that go through this, this stuff, how, how often do they ever get, you know, get, you know, or these politicians like Hillary Clinton, how often do they ever get fully charged? I mean, you never. They never get charged at all. They get away with it. Nothing happens to these people. I mean, there's there's those few politicians that you know get charged and have to have to pay the consequences, but there's so many people. I mean, look at people like Louis Farrakhan. Look at people like um, Maxine Waters. Look look at people like um, Wasserman Schultz. You know, but but if it's a Republican. You know, it's totally a double standard, and I've said it many times, over and over. This never ends. So you, and we all know Soros has something to do with Antifa. This has been known from day one. Soros has given millions of dollars to organizations that are affiliated with Antifa. And we all know George Soros has so much influence over the Democratic Party. And there's a lot, believe it or not, there's a lot of these Democrats in power right now that have taken donations from Antifa, um, people that affiliate with the Antifa organizations. You know, and they, you know, they want to, they, you know, all these problems on the left with violence and hatred, but they want to go after Trump for the smallest thing. They want to go after Republicans for the smallest thing. They want to call Trump racist. They want to call Trump hateful. They want to call Trump a Nazi. But in reality, what they're doing is they're only blaming him what they're guilty of. They're, you know, they have all this, this guilt and this white guilt and, and all, all of these emotions. You know, they're, they're the Nazis. They're the racists. But what they have to do is they have to throw it back on Trump or throw it back on Republicans to cover themselves up. I mean, this is the reality. It's, it's, it's totally, uh, in a sense, backward psychology. I mean, this, this is what these people are doing. They're pointing the finger, and like I said, never any accountability. It's sick. It really is sick stuff. Now, I want to play this clip. Um, Tucker makes a great uh, point on Antifa, 
And uh, then I want to play this whole Matt Gates situation. This is mind-blowing. And this is just one of many situations of the left getting violent. Uh, one, three. Well, it's not an overstatement to say the left's attacks on America's border security suddenly have become an attack on America itself. On Friday at an ICE facility in Aurora, Colorado, hundreds of extremists stormed the grounds. They pulled down an American flag and tried to burn it. Then they sent a Mexican flag up the flagpole to replace it. The display was awful and it was deeply revealing of their motives. But what happened on Saturday in Washington State was even worse than that. Willem von Spronson, he was linked with the Antifa domestic terror movement, attacked an ICE facility in Tacoma. He was carrying an AR-15 and firebombs. He torched several cars that apparently hoped to burn the facility to the ground. He was shot dead before he could kill anyone. Online, members of Antifa celebrated their fallen comrade. Facebook banned Alex Jones, as you know, because he's a hate monger. But Facebook has no problem hosting Antifa groups, including the Seattle Anti-Fascist Action branch of Antifa. On Facebook, that group posted this, quote, When our good friend and comrade, Willem von Spronson, took a stand against the fascist detention center in Tacoma, he became a martyr who gave his life to the struggle against fascism. Today, we stand strong in our support for yet another martyr, martyr in the struggle against fascism. May his death serve as a call to protest and direct action. Keep in mind, it's a lunatic who showed up with, an, with a semi-automatic rifle, the kind they want to ban, by the way. Vance Bronson may have failed, but others should imitate him in launching more terror attacks on American soil. That's what they're saying. Facebook doesn't have a problem with that, of course. Well, you'd think all of this would spark some concern. Liberals might tell us it's time for a national conversation, maybe gun control. No. Antifa has the implicit support of the respectable left. So far, not a single Democratic presidential candidate has condemned Saturday's attack. Hard to believe that's true. We hope we're wrong. Maybe they condemn them during this show. But as of right now, we believe, again, hope we're wrong, that not a single Democrat running for the nomination has condemned a terror attack that took place on our soil yesterday, Saturday. But why would they condemn it? They're on board with it. Just a few weeks ago, the New York Times published an op-ed calling ICE agents complicit in, quote, mass atrocity, and then called for ICE agents to have their names and home addresses publicized. So why should we be surprised when people try to murder ICE agents? Kim Kelly, who describes herself as the labor columnist at Teen Vogue, pause for a second and just let the absurdity in. The labor columnist for Teen Vogue. That's how insane this moment is we're living in. Anyway, the labor columnist described Vance Bronson's terror attack as, quote, righteous sabotage. She compared him to partisans fighting against the Nazis and then called for more terror attacks. Quote, as Van Spronson and the many other heroic comrades before him have made clear, there are many ways to fight back against a violent fascist regime. Perhaps it's time for more of us to put our thinking caps on. The decadent rich really are unbelievable. And Kim Kelly is, of course, a member of the decadent rich. So is all of Antifa. These are the most privileged people in our society, of course. This isn't the working class rising up. This is the ruling class punching down. When Kim Kelly, by the way, isn't writing about the labor movement for teenage girls, she's also a contributor at NPR. You couldn't make this up. In other words, government-funded news outlets are directly spreading the message of people who promote the murder of government officials. It's sick. This country's laws cannot survive when powerful people endorse violence against those who enforce the laws. And a country can't survive when it's run by people who hate. I mean, I, you know, we see, we see what's going on here. 
you know, we see, you know, what, what the reality is. You know, there's outrage when even the slightest thing is said to somebody on the left. There's so much outrage. But if somebody physically attacks somebody on the right and that person's on the left, crickets. I mean, make up your mind, people. You can't have it both ways. I mean, this is, this is definitely as divisive as it gets. Um, let me play this clip from Matt Gates. One, seven. Well, federal agents working to secure our borders are not the only ones in danger from an increasingly extreme left wing. Two years ago, a maniac tried to murder Republicans practicing for a congressional baseball game. Now, Congressman Matt Gates of Florida says he has been receiving threatening voicemails at his office. Here's one of them. Gates, you pathetic piece of Do you know that I could blow your head clean off your shoulders from over a mile away? Watch your back, you pathetic little piece of You got your head so far up, Trump. <laughs> I could still take it off your shoulders. You, Gates, I'm coming after you. So that's about as clear cut as it could be. Those are threats. They're a crime. Here's the remarkable part. According to Gates, the FBI has already identified the person you just heard, the person who threatened him. But a federal prosecutor has decided not to bring charges. Congressman Mackey of Florida joins us tonight. Congressman, am I misstating any of that? No. Uh, I received word late last week that the U.S. Attorney's Office, where this individual lived, had reviewed the information and had deemed these messages, and I'm quoting directly, a non-threat. Uh, it's obviously a, f a crime, a federal crime, to make these types of threats against any federal official this year, we're on, not th this Congress, I should say, we're on record for 10,000 threats against members of Congress. And I condemn them, whether they're against Republicans, Democrats, liberals, conservatives. You know, th this is just no way to operate within our country. And I just wonder, like, is it the fact that I've been a critic of some of the senior officials at the FBI that maybe leads to different treatment for the people who threaten me as opposed to the people who actually get arrested who have threatened Eric Swalwell, uh, you know, uh, Ilhan Omar, Rashida Tlaib. Those people actually get arrested, whereas when people threaten conservatives, I, I hope there's not a double standard. But, I mean, you heard the messages, and there were even other messages where they threatened my family, Tucker. Who is this prosecutor who told you that that was the, what we just listened to clearly a threat of violence, was somehow not a threat. It was the U.S. attorney for the Northern District of California that their office made the determination that this was a closed matter, that they would bring no charges, uh, and that uh, we're just supposed to deal with that. And it's really, you know, people on the left want to talk about threats to our democracy. Our democracy is served when our representatives have fidelity to the Constitution and to our constituents. When you have to right. have fidelity to some concern that someone's going to, you know, kill you or kill your family or harm you at a public event, it erodes the representation that every member of Congress should be able to provide their district of regardless of their viewpoint. That's, I mean, this is lunatic. Ha have you received any support from your Democratic colleagues in this? 
Uh, look, it's been a crazy few weeks for me. I mean, just a few weeks ago, I had uh, a member of Antifa, a stated member of Antifa, assault me at a town hall meeting and get arrested. Uh, one fantastic Democratic Congresswoman, Stephanie Murphy of Florida, condemned it. She was the only one. Since then, a Pete Buttigieg staff member said that people should throw urine on me. Uh, and then I received these threatening messages, and uh, no federal prosecutors so far seem to be interested in uh, in those cases. And you know, it's just it's, this is this is no way to get together and solve the problems we have to solve for the country. It's no way to govern. And I wish there would be more bipartisan uh, support for nonviolence. Yes. Throw urine on you. But a judge should be ashamed, though, of course, he never will be. Congressman, great to see you tonight. Thank you. It's absolutely, it's absolutely, it's insanity. It's pure insanity. And here's President Trump uh, clarifying his comments from yesterday. And let, let's remind everybody again, like I said yesterday, there's nothing wrong with what he said. He's, he, he said what we're all thinking. If you're not happy in this country, get the hell out. It's very simple. Nothing racist about it. Nothing hateful about it. You know, just grow up. We're coming out and breaking news because the president is speaking inside the cabinet room at the White House. Let's watch. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Mr. President, please stand. The Democratic Congresswomen should leave if they're not happy. Where should they go? It's up to them. Go wherever they want, or they can stay. But they should love our country. They shouldn't hate our country. You look at what they've said. I, I have clips right here. The most vile, horrible statements about our country, about Israel, about others. Uh, it's up to them. They can do what they want. They can leave, they can stay, but they should love our country and they should work for the good of our country. I right, thank you very much. Let's go to Kevin. Kevin, go ahead. Well, yes. I mean, this is a very telling situation that took place, and the first step to the, the first step is just blatantly calling them what they are. They're not anti-fascist. They're radical communists, and it's the truth of the matter that they want violence. And uh, pretty much every facet of the Democrat Party uh, wants them to perpetrate violence. And this threat of violence against conservatives is a very primary reason why we're not coming out in droves. We're not, you know, storming the streets the way that they are. I mean, they, they feel like they have such impunity. They, they feel so safe that they could do all these uh, terrible threats and uh, burn flags and storm ice buildings and all these uh, very terrible things, uh, you know, and get these very uh, – easy way out of uh, the justice system because it's a, it's a rigged system essentially. And, you know, we got to remember too, they, they tell the, the world that it's really Trump is the, the radical, that the Republican party is like so terrible and so racist and whatnot, which isn't true. Uh, but these people adhere to actual communism. This is the most, this ideology is the most dangerous, degenerating, uh, most deadly ideology on the face of the earth. I mean, this isn't, this isn't just, you know, a Russia and Stalin. I mean, this, this is all around the world. We have, you know, Pol Pot of Cambodia. We, I mean, China, you have South Africa. I mean, you just keep naming just many, many countries that were just consumed by this communism. And it's, it's terrible. And it, 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 this really uh, also dangerous aspect of this is you can see those countries that were consumed by communism. You see like South Africa, for example, it was a, a white and black pr predominant uh, countries, both uh, people of those uh, live there, but you had communists come into that country and now 
today we can see the results of that through the uh, African National Congress, an openly communist party that took over Af uh, South Africa. And now we have, uh, as far as uh, 2018 goes, we have one uh, South African white farmer is killed in cold blood every five days. And that's perpetrated violence that has been condoned by the government. And we're seeing the beginning of this here in America. And we're seeing it in, in other, especially European countries, actual violence being perpetrated against patriotic, usually conservative people. And so we, we have to stop, especially communism. And, and we, these people are not socialists in, in most cases. We've got to call it out what it is. They're communists and they want our blood. It is, they do not believe that this country is for everyone. They believe this country is for them. Yeah. No, it's it's true. It's true, and it's it's really uh, it's scary to think about. You know how these people act. Uh, AJ AJ in Houston, go ahead, AJ. Everybody might know AJ from the Sean Hannity radio show. He's also been on Rush Limbaugh. He's been all over the place. AJ, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Big time of what's going on, baby. How y'all doing there, man? I'm doing gonna try well, to be calm and cool tonight. Man, I'm gonna try to be calm and cool tonight. But what all? <laughs> happen around us and everything. You know, I as a black man, I'm sick and tired of these idiot liberals on the left using the race game after all what we went through in the past with Martin Luther King and all everything, and we get everything just back right, and then Obama walks in the White House with the help of Bill Clinton to divide this country, and now look what's left from Obama time is nothing but this race bull crap. And when you go back and look at Obama time, starting with the Cambridge bull crap, he could have settled everything. That's why most white people voted for that dirty rat. I'm being nice tonight, guys. I'm pissed off. I'm sorry. I'm pissed. They voted for that dirty rat thinking he was going to help race relations. He divided and made it 50 years behind more than ever. What we're watching now is a bunch of young idiots up there in that White House, in that Congress, just going against a president, a real president of the United States of America that cares about this country. This is a joke what we're watching. The American people ought to be pissed. Even the Democrats, they should be pissed. The thing that this idiot four has done is ridiculous. I have watched these idiots and what they're doing to this country is pathetic. What was so damn racist about him saying, leave if you don't like it? We tell anybody that, leave if you don't like your situation. Just leave. There ain't nothing racist about that. So why are the media backing him up? You know why they want Donald Trump. This is all about Donald Trump. And the man that whooped Obama's butt in keeping the country right, getting us back on God, getting Merry Christmas back. I'm just going to run through it. Making this country great again, as it was before Barack Obama came into the White House. And wait, this is the fun part about it. You have never heard no. Democrat tell you a real issue of how they're going to so-called fix what Donald Trump done. 
Donald Trump already fixed what Obama done to this country, basically. Now, only thing we got is a bunch of leftover hacks from the Obama area that's messing up this world, messing up this country, going with this race game, and the American people are tired. We have watched this go on for far too long, and it's enough is enough. And you know what? Them idiots need to be called out. I'm sorry. Trump was right. They need to go. If you don't like the country, leave. Homegirl can go to Somalia and fix her country and then come back, like Trump said, and tell us how you fixed it since she got the great of the fruit and some of her people still in conjurers over there. This is a joke we watching, guys. I mean, this is, I mean, I never as a black man seen this. And black people better wake up. They're being bamboozled by Obama first and now by these idiots. What a joke we watching. Oh, man, I am. Man, I, I know I ain't been on in a couple of weeks, but, man, I am sick and tired of these race issues that it shouldn't be. We got borders that need to be checked out. We got Trump, the only man fighting. Where are the Republicans? They standing around looking like idiots. Trump got his neck on the line. He's the only man fighting. Republicans standing back in a cubbyhole letting this man take the arrows. But guess what? That man is a bad man because he's taking the arrows, and I'm behind him 100% of the black man. Yeah, they can take that to the bank. <laughs> Sorry, Big Daddy. I, I, I know. Just, I love I, I love it. You know, you're always on point. No, I get it, man. I get the frustration. It, it, may, it makes sense. Um. Let's, uh, Gordon, what are your thoughts, Gordon? Go ahead. Well, when you, when you look at what, what, uh, President Trump has said for over 40 years, he has not changed his stance. He has never changed anything he said. True. And he knows where all of this has come from. And, you know, you talked about Antifa, you talked about Soros. Soros is, is, is funding Antifa. Everybody knows that. And the reason why Soros' money does not get depleted is because he gets funneled money back through the CIA. Well, whether anybody wants to believe that or not, that's where his money keeps coming from. And you know, as long as we're at war, it, it, it's nothing but a, but, a, but a money grab for the, for the Democrats. Uh <clears throat> And, and and really the rhinos, uh, if you want to look at both of it, because they're, they're all corrupt, and and that's what he's talking about when he says drain the swamp. He, he you know he wants to get rid of all the corruption, and he's talking about both sides. I'm not talking about just the one side. He's talking about both sides of the aisle. Absolutely, I know no, you're, you're absolutely mm. right. No, absolutely, one hundred percent. And you know what? Uh, we definitely uh, need to. Um, you know, fix this situation. Uh, David, David, I'll go to you. What, do you. what are your thoughts? And then, David, I'll obviously real quick, if you can give like a, a brief bio of what you do and then give us your thoughts on this. And then I got to take a quick commercial break and introduce our guests. But, David, go ahead. All right. Thanks a lot. And, you know, it's, it got a, I'm so glad to be talking to you again. We had such a great time on the 4th. Um, yeah, DC you know, was you fun. Good time. Yeah, we met at the, uh, for people that don't know, we met at the Trump. Fourth of July event, which was a blast in Washington D.C. 
at the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, definitely a an unforgettable, uh, you know, event. That's for sure. Oh, it was, it was, and we had a great time. I mean, it, it, you're a, you're a blast to be around, and I thank you for letting me to uh, come on here and talk. And you know, just for you're you cutting know, out um, again. You're cutting oh, out am I again. Cutting out again. Yeah. Uh, I'm, am I still cutting out? Uh, kind Hello, of. Can you hear me? Yeah, better. All right, all right. Well, um, you know, basically, I do self defense. I do it for you know, for less cost to people, um, cheaper more effective and, um, you know, and an easier way to train without having to go through all the stuff. It's not like martial arts. It's actual self-defense. And, you know, I train in weapons also. Um, you know, and I teach people how to actually think better, you know. By that way, they avoid a lot of conflicts. And, and, and this part really comes to, you know, this whole thing. With, you uh, keep, hey, David, you keep cutting out. I don't know what's wrong with the, with the cell coverage. I mean, it's really bad. Is it really bad? Can you hear me now? Because I got full coverage. Barely. It, go, it goes in and out so bad. Okay, hold on one second. Call, just can you hear me better call now? Call right back in. Call right back in. Can you, can you, all right. All right. Sorry about that, everybody. I, um, I am going to take a quick commercial break, and uh, we will be right back uh, with – um, Robert Lawson, and then I'll also try to get David back on. Uh, I, you know, the, 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 obviously the, his cell service is really bad, um, so we need to get that uh, cleared up. But everybody, uh, stay with us, and we will be right back. She's still the one for you. And Cialis for Daily Use helps you be ready anytime the moment is right. Cialis is also the only daily ED tablet approved to treat symptoms of BPH, like needing to go frequently. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions and medicines and ask if your heart is healthy enough for sex. Do not take Cialis if you take nitrates for chest pain as it may cause an unsafe drop in blood pressure. Do not drink alcohol in excess. Side effects may include headache, upset stomach, delayed backache, or muscle ache. To avoid long-term injury, get medical help right away for an erection lasting more than four hours. If you have any sudden decrease or loss in hearing or vision or any allergic reactions like rash, hives, swelling of the lips, tongue, or throat, or difficulty breathing or swallowing, stop taking Cialis and get medical help right away. Ask your doctor about Cialis for daily use and a free 30-tablet trial. Packaging. I'm Ray, and I quit smoking with Chantix. I tried cold turkey. I tried the patch. They didn't work for me. I didn't think anything was going to work for me until I tried Chantix. Chantix, along with support, helps you quit smoking. Chantix reduced my urge to smoke. I needed that to quit. When you try to quit smoking, with or without Chantix, you may have nicotine withdrawal symptoms. Some people had changes in behavior or thinking, aggression, hostility, agitation, depressed mood, or suicidal thoughts or actions with Chantix. Serious side effects may include seizures, new or worse heart or blood vessel problems, sleepwalking, or allergic and skin reactions, which can be life-threatening. Stop Chantix and get help right away if you have any of these. Tell your health care provider if you've had depression or other mental health problems. Decrease alcohol use while taking Chantix. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. The most common side effect is nausea. I can't tell you how good it feels to have smoke behind me. Talk to your doctor about Chantix. TGI Friday's famous sizzling entrees that you know and love like chicken, shrimp, and cheese just got even hotter. With new delicious tastes like whiskey, flat iron steak, and the tastiest sizzling street noodles. Hurry in. 
now starting at only $10. We bring the sizzle like no other. New sizzling entrees starting at $10. TGI Fridays, the home of endless apps. Endless apps every night, 9 p.m. to close. And we are and we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide, listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24/7 breaking news coverage, please visit our media site, the next nex gen g e n usa dot com. And also remember, in the in about a month, we will be releasing the brand new media site. Uh, We're raising a bunch of money for it. It's going to be 24-7 network. Um, We'll be having people, notable talk show hosts from here in our country and overseas doing shows. So uh, all over the U.S., people will be doing shows and places like Europe, India, um, you know, all all that good stuff, China. And uh, we will be having uh, my good friend, America's Toughest Sheriff, Joe Arpaio, as well as uh, Director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, as the main faces of the network. So we're very excited about that. Uh, I do want to welcome to the show uh, our guest. And I, I do want to <clears> – <throat> sorry, guys, my cold. I do want to mention, though, we will try to get David back here soon, but I do want to welcome, uh, while, while we have him, a best-selling author, lobbyist, activist, and economist, Robert Lawson. Robert, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great, Rory. How are you doing? Uh, doing well. Uh, glad to have you here. Uh, your first time on the show – so what I like to do is I kind of when my when when guests first come on my show I like to get you know information about uh, about them how it all started for you a bio you know the different uh, levels and, and roads you've been down in life and how you got to where you are. Oh sure well I'm a uh, college professor I've always been, <laughs> been been a college professor for 30 years I'm now at uh, Southern Methodist University in Dallas I run something called the O'Neill Center for Good Global school. Markets and Freedom. Uh, so I'm an egghead academic uh, who happened to write a book uh, uh, about socialism. <laughs> nice, man. So yeah, so 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 tell me, so tell me about your career. Tell me, you know, tell me. Uh, obviously, you're you're an economist. You're in a you're a professor. Uh, you've you've written a book. Uh, can just tell tell me how it all started for you. Yeah, well, sure. I mean, I, I uh, grew up in Cincinnati. I went to Ohio University, and uh, like a lot of people who go to to go to an undergraduate school, I found a mentor there. His name was Richard Vetter, and he turned me on to economics, and I went to grad school at Florida State. I uh, got my Ph.D. there, and, and when I worked there, I worked with a guy named Jim Gortney. And uh, with Jim, I've been involved in a project called Economic Freedom of the World. It's the Fraser Institute's Economic Freedom Index. It's reasonably well-known. Uh, and I've been, I was a co-founder of that with Jim over 30 years ago. And so mostly what I do is work on these, the numbers crunching uh, for the Economic Freedom Index. Uh, I'm, a, I'm an expert on what the marginal tax rate is in Tunisia or Bangladesh or, or what the inflation rate is in Congo. Uh, so most of my life is spent in spreadsheets. Um, this, this project on the, uh, that I've got now is a little bit different than the other things I usually do. How do you how do you view uh, Trump's economy? Uh, are you how, how do you think it is? I mean, uh, do you think it is the best it's ever been? I mean, is that fair to say? I mean, everything that we're uh, we're going through in, in terms of all this winning and, and constant record setting. 
Yeah, no, I, I, the, you know, the data don't lie. Uh, unemployment is good. Economic growth is strong. Inflation is non-existent. I mean, these are this is the holy grail uh, from a macroeconomic point of view. You know, I I, I, uh, I think presidents get too much blame when things go bad, and probably too much credit when things go good. Um, but uh, nonetheless, you can't argue with uh, the way things are going. That's that's undeniable. And you know, just explain you know everything you know what with what you're doing with um with, with your you know obviously you're involved with uh you know the uh the the, the Jerome F. Fallen Fol- if I'm pronouncing it right Fallen Wilder Fallen Wider uh, endowed. You're, you're on the chair, aren't you on the chair there? It says endowed Sentinel uh, Chair in Economic Freedom. Yeah, so I have an endowed chair, um, which was uh, funded by uh, Jerry Fullenweider. Jerry's a a wonderful man. He's uh, still living, but uh, he he's the quintessential Texas oil man, um, and he's been a longtime donor to conservative and, and libertarian causes for well over 50 years. And he's an SMU alum, and he gave uh, the sort of seed money that helped uh, them bring me to SMU. I was at Auburn before and uh, doing okay there. And but uh, the money at, at SMU, th- thanks to Jerry, was was enough to get me to move to Dallas. Very nice, man. And, and it, tell me, tell me about how do you think the oil industry is doing now? I mean, you know, it's looking like we're the, we're the leading producer. I mean, explain on that. Well, I mean, obviously, we were killing it. I mean, I, uh, it's one of, one of the weird things about moving to Texas is that you very quickly realize that high oil prices are good. <laughs> now, for the rest of you out here in the regular world, uh, high oil prices are bad for your economies. But from a seller's point of view, and Texas is a seller of oil, uh, high prices are good. Uh, the fracking revolution has been amazing. Um, you know, and West Texas, the Permian Basin, is just uh just just gushing not, well, it's not gushing the fracks are a little bit different but it's it's really really brought a, a lot of activity to the state there is one thing that's different about about modern oil though it's not really a job creator i mean there are jobs certainly people have to drill the drill the wells and lay the platforms and all of that but it's very capital intensive the the number of people that is required isn't that great. Um, And so that's actually kind of good news in a way for Texas. What it means is when oil prices go up, employment doesn't necessarily go up that much, but when they go down, employment doesn't go down that much. So we're a little bit uh, insulated now uh, from the employment point of view. Used to be, man, if, you know, 30 years ago, if oil prices fell, Texas went into a recession. Um, you know, you had to fire, you know, 100,000 people or something. And, and that just doesn't happen anymore because the number of people involved isn't so great. Um, it's a very capital-intensive business these days. Yeah, no, no, it, it absolutely is. And, you know, explain, you know, how, um, you know, the, the econ- you're an economist. You know, explain uh, how, how this whole China thing you think is going to play out. Well, you know, China's, a, China's an interesting case. Uh, in, in the book we wrote called Socialism Sucks, we, the title of that chapter is called Fake Socialism. Uh, China's uh, no longer really a socialist country in the sense that there, there's no central plan. Most economic activity is, is being planned by individual owners, property owners, businesses, uh, and these businesses are mostly privately owned. 
And uh, so it's not really a socialist country anymore. What's weird about China is they're still trying to hold on to their totalitarian political system. So on the one hand, they want to give people the freedom to buy and sell and hire and fire and import and export and, and, and all that stuff. But they don't want to give them the freedom to speak, freedom to vote, of course, and so forth. So it's a little bit of a schizophrenia. Um, it's possible that that, that 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 disconnect can happen, but I think in the very long run, um, China will probably have to liberalize its its political system to match its economic system, or hopefully not, but or they maybe go back the other way. But you know, a strong Chinese economy is good for America. I mean, they are they are both producers and consumers. We are uh, we benefit from a from a strong strong China. The, the political thing is the threat. The economic, a strong economic China isn't isn't uh, a risk. It's the political power that we I think we need to be worried about. No, I agree. I agree. Um, so t- so tell me tell me about this book. Tell me about this book. Yeah, sure. So uh, my my colleague Ben Powell, he's a professor at Texas Tech, and uh, by way of Boston, and Ben is uh, and I, um, we decided we were going to travel. Well, frankly, we wanted to go to Cuba to drink, so we thought, well, let's go to Cuba and drink drink. your way through the world. It said. Yeah. So the subtitle of the book is Two Economists Drink Their Way Through the Unfree World," and we started in Cuba. Frankly, we just wanted to go hang out in Cuba and drink and see what it was like. But we figured we'd write up a chapter or a book, uh, for a book or something, and that way we could write it off <laughs> our taxes. So um, one thing led to another. We ended up in Venezuela and uh, the border of North Korea and China, China, South Korea, Russia, Ukraine, Georgia, the country Georgia. Uh, so we started touring uh, either currently communist or formerly communist uh, socialist countries. And the book is it's kind of an Anthony, Anthony Bourdain-style book. I, uh, it's PG-13. Uh, if you if you if you're uh, if you're kind of prudish, you probably don't want to read our book. It's it's very much written uh, as two sort of drunk economists going around the world and sort of what we see. Um, with that said, it's it's covering a, a, a deeply and deathly serious topic, uh, socialism, which has ruined, literally killed, you know, hundreds of millions of people. So so we're we're having fun traveling the world, drinking. But we're also trying to to talk about a very serious topic, socialism, how it's ruined these countries. And what do you say to people, you know, especially on the left, that will tr- try to say, well, no, socialism, it's not the socialism is not the same thing as it was as it was in Venezuela. You know, these people don't understand that socialism is socialism, but they're trying to, you know, they're they're trying to basically make think they're going to do it a different way or make it sound better. I mean, they don't, they don't get it. Yeah. So they, this is a, this is a trick that the socialists have been playing for a long time. Uh, I mean, they, they did this with the Soviet union. Bernie traveled to the Soviet union. Oh, it's really cool there. It's really nice. And then, well, until it wasn't, uh, same thing in Venezuela, you know, when, when oil was a hundred dollars a barrel, uh, Venezuela was the darling of the American left. They would, they were, they were singing the praises of this great socialist miracle in Venezuela those of us who knew what was going on inside of Venezuela were calling, were, were throwing up alarms a decade ago, but they were singing their praises. Well, of course, now it's all coming, coming, you know, to a disaster there, and, and now they're saying, oh no, that's not what we meant. So they do this a lot. Oh, it's socialism while it's working. As soon as it doesn't work, oh, that's not what we meant. Well, you know, one of the things we try to do in, in this book is, 
is call them on that and hold hold them accountable. We you know we can dig up quotes uh, from the especially with Venezuela. You can dig up quotes from just a few years ago and uh, about how how great people thought Venezuela was. Um, they, we need to hold them accountable uh, for those for those comments. And you can go back and do this with the Soviet Union. We talk about Walter Durante. He was a columnist for the New York Times in the 1930s, and he completely whitewashed Stalin's purges and in the Ukrainian famines. Um, and he was a, a what Stalin called him a useful a useful idiot. Uh, we need to, we need to hold these people accountable. Um, they're they're either they're, they're either lying to us because they're communists themselves or socialists, or uh, they are just useful idiots, as Stalin called them. And, and there, there is a lot of people praising your book, uh, Napolitano. I saw, liked your book, and thought it was good. I mean, you've had some big names, you know, review your book, and they love it. Now, how do you, how does it make you feel? I mean, that's probably pretty uh, well, surreal, right? The judge's uh, blurb was was fantastic. Uh, I'll tell you though, we got one from P.J. O'Rourke, and P.J. O'Rourke is a hero of mine. Uh, and this book was written in in the style of P.J. O'Rourke. We wanted to be funny and maybe crude. <laughs> like PJ uh, could be, and he wrote a great blurb. And uh, Ben and I decided that, you know, if we don't sell a single copy of the book, who cares? PJ O'Rourke liked my book. And if that's all we get out of this, then we've been a great success. That's awesome, man. That that is great. And I do do want to ask you, what what has been the, you know, the the, – the response from this. Obviously, you're getting some really good, really good feedback. But uh, just, just in general, from everyday people, I mean, I'm sure, uh, you know, they can resonate and, and understand where you guys are coming from, right? Yeah. Well, well, the book hasn't come out for a couple of weeks, so we're still waiting for the big, widespread appeal. We have, um, you know, done some focus groups where we've had some people who, you know, general people try to read it and give us feedback. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's not a book for everybody. Again, it's 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 if if you didn't like if you don't like P.J. O'Rourke or Anthony Bourdain, if you can't handle an F word, maybe you ought to read someone yeah. else's book. But but um, if you like that kind of stuff, we've gotten great feedback. Now, what I don't know, and I'm kind of eager to find out, is what happens when some hard socialists read this book. Um, you know, one of the things we did is we went to the Socialism Conference in Chicago, which I, I think is actually going on right now this year. But we went yeah. to the one last year. And um, we we attended the conference. We didn't hide our identities, and we didn't secretly record. But we, we talked to people, and some of those conversations were are in the book. We have a chapter on that. And and I we we, uh, we absolutely try to be as fair uh, minded to these kids as we could. We we obviously think they're wrong about socialism, but we weren't trying to you know to get them. Uh, you know, it wasn't a gotcha kind of kind of thing. Uh, we're critical of of, of socialists uh, at that conference, but um, so I'm, I'm I'm hoping that I don't get a really big negative reaction from from that crowd. I hope that they I'm sure they're not going to like what they read, but. Uh, I, I really we wanted to be fair-minded to these these people who, who these people really do think socialism is the answer. Uh, I think they're wrong, um, but uh, I wanted to be, we didn't want to just you know attack them wantonly. We wanted to engage them, and I think hopefully the book the tone of the book hopefully uh, we got that right. Why do you why do you think this this entitlement mindset? And this, you know, ignorance has taken over so many people. 
you know, with this whole socialism. I mean, why, why can't these people go back and look at history? Why do they refuse? I mean, I, I'm sure they know history. I think they just turned a blind, a blind eye to it. And like I've said many times on this show, too many of them have too much faith in the politicians. Yeah, well, I, I think we all have too much faith in politicians. Um, so in some sense, they're not that different. What what is di- what is different now is I mean I, I, we almost are paying a price for our our opulence I mean the, the kids that are growing up right now the kids that are hitting college campuses this fall they have no memory of an existence without an iPhone <laughs> and you know it, it, it's just we we live in where where even poor people in America and I don't want to I wouldn't want to be poor in America I wouldn't want to be poor anywhere but. But poor people in America live a lifestyle that is just ridiculously opulent. Our poor people live better than kings and queens did two or three hundred years ago. Um, and I, I, but people have no sense of that history. They just, you know, and when something doesn't work exactly right, right. their instinct something has to be done. <laughs> and yeah. my, my my is my God, something has been done. <laughs> We've been. This is what we've been doing for 200 years. We've been working our butts off to make a better life, and it's worked. We've got it, and we're not done. We're going to keep making it better if you let us. But they they don't have any sense of that of, the, of that history. No, I, I absolutely hear you. And uh, you know, I, I've heard that uh, Texas, in a lot of ways, uh, has gone somewhat purple in, in certain certain aspects, and even some places blue. Um, obviously, it's the, the state isn't is still going to be red for quite some time. But uh, you know, these some of these left wing voters keep coming in there from different states. I I worry. But what 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 is your campus at Southern Methodist like in terms of uh, the political beliefs? Uh, mostly conservative, mostly liberal, kind of in the middle. What would you say? Uh, yeah, so uh, Southern Methodist University sometimes gets called Southern Millionaire University. <laughs> it's a very expensive private. Um, we attend yep. to attract. A, a, a fairly affluent group of students. We don't have a. Uh, it's actually very apolitical uh, as campuses go. I, I, I've attended and worked at other schools which were much more politically, uh, you know, out, out there. SMU is kind of quiet. Um, there are probably is a, a college Democrat club, and I, but I don't think there's a socialist club or anything like that. Um, it's it's quiet. When I read in the paper on, online about all the things going on at other campuses, I kind of shake my head because we really don't have have a lot of that right. going on. We're quite lucky. Um, that, and that's true, right. I think, throughout Texas. The universities in Texas have not gone crazy like they have in, in some places that we read about. Absolutely. And what what are your, you know, I want to get, I know my panel probably has, has some questions for you, but what, what are your thoughts uh, in regards to uh, Trump uh, telling, uh, you know, American workers, uh, you know, American businesses and businesses, They've got to use 95% of American steel. Uh, and he, you know, at one point, you know, he changed it significantly. I mean, right before he changed it, it was, you needed to use 50%. Now, what do you think about this pro-America uh, agenda? It's fantastic, right? Uh, I'm going to have to disagree, uh, frankly. Um, you know, I, I, as, a, as an economist, uh, we, we, we make our, our world better off, um, materially better off by buying low and selling high and if, if we can buy right cheap steel from abroad i think we ought to buy it 
from abroad. Now, there may be some geopolitical reasons for this, and I, I, we can talk about that. But strictly speaking, um, there's no virtue in buying expensive uh, American products when cheaper foreign products are, are available. That doesn't make our standard of living better. It makes it worse off. It's sort of Econ 101 to me. I am sympathetic to the geopolitical concerns, um, strategic uh, you know, issues. I honestly am not sure if that's really the first thing in, in President Trump's mind. I, I think he he really does think that buy American makes us richer. I think he's wrong on that. And, um, and but uh, with that said, um, you know, there's a lot of good with Trump too. So you know, every president I've ever had has been a mixed bag from my point of view, and Trump's not a lot different. Well, I hear you. I hear you. Um, in in, ter- in terms of the economy. What would you give him if you had to give a grade? Um, what, what would you give him the economy grade? Huh. Well, I, I'm a sort of I hate all politicians. I want to give them all Fs, but that doesn't very that doesn't do much good. Um, uh, 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 he's a solid B. Um, I, you know, I yeah. don't like I don't like some of his rhetoric sometimes. Um, I wish he'd dial it back right. a little bit, but whatever. Uh, I wish they all talk less. <laughs> you know, if I actually looked like- at at, at, his, at his actual record, the tax thing is good. The judicial appointments are great. Um, you know, um, I don't like the trade policy. I'm, I'm pretty lukewarm on the Harris? immigration stuff. But you know, hey, from my point of view, if what you get a grade above an F, you're a great president because I give most of them flat out Fs. <laughs> what do you think of the tariffs? The tariffs? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm. I think it's bad policy. Uh, I just don't think it's good policy. I don't think it it helps America. Um, I think it helps some American businesses, but it does so by hurting other American businesses and all of us consumers. I think it makes us mostly worse off. But don't. But don't you like the idea of of holding other countries accountable, though, in certain ways, just for ripping us off for so many years? Well, you know. Not really. I, I honestly, uh, I don't know what you mean by ripping me off. If ripping me off means selling me cheap TVs, I'm willing to let them rip me off. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I like cheap stuff. I think uh, the people in America are better off, and we can find products that make our lives better off cheaper. And and if that's if that's uh, what ripping me off means, I'm I'm for it. I, I really don't see that as a threat. Um, the threat, I think, is geopolitical. Um, I think using trade policy to achieve other ends that have more to do with foreign policy, I think, is a potentially fruitful thing. But uh, um, I'm not a big fan of tariffs uh, because they just they make American consumers worse off. I, I could I could I could see your point of view. I mean, I I could see your your side of it. Um, I, I do want to I do want to um, ask you as well. What what are your what are your thoughts on, you know the, inflate? I mean you like you said earlier, isn't it isn't it phenomenal that inflation hasn't gone up? Yeah, no, um, I I think a lot of us uh, would have lost bets. In fact, I know some people did did lose bets um, that we haven't seen any inflation. I, I'm kind of surprised we went through that financial crisis with the um, explosion in the Federal Reserve's balance sheet the way it was that we didn't see inflation. Um, at this point, though, we've got a pretty cautious Fed, and, um, and, and in a good way. I don't see uh, um, I don't see them, um, you know, generating a lot of inflation. I, you know, again, one of the things I think this was just rhetoric, but one of the things I didn't really care for was there was some rhetoric recently from from Trump 
you know, kind of jawboning the Fed. Um, yeah, I, I really don't want our politicians, whether it's Trump or any other politician, messing with the Fed. The Fed's got a tough job. They're they're pretty technocratic about it. Um, it's kind of like, you know, paving the roads. Just let the guys who know how to pave the roads pave the roads. If you get the politicians involved in paving the roads, we're not going to make the roads better. I feel that way about the central bank. If you're going to have a central bank, just turn it over to the to the the pocket protector crowd, and 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 they'll 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 mostly get it right, and and they have. So, what what do you what do you think of the the Fed interest rates right now? What what are your thoughts on that? Too high? Um, well, I mean, you know, arguably too low. I mean, I think it's it's hard to say because I mean. It's, it is bound up with inflation, so it, you know, whether interest rates are too high or too low is a really hard question because you need to know what inflation inflationary expectations are. It's really tough. Um, I tell you, one of the things that would be nice, it would be nice to get to a world where, uh, and I don't know how we get to that world, um, where we aren't hitting zero infl- in- interest rates a lot. I mean, we have yeah. these periods of time in the last few years where um, where treasuries, uh, which are the, you know the safest kind of asset in the in the country, we actually are hitting that what what economists call the zero bound. And that's not really ideal. Right. Um, it'd be nice if we had that lower bound on treasuries around one percent or something, and we were instead of bouncing between zero and four percent, we were bouncing between two and five or something. Uh, so it'd be nice to ratchet up a, a point or two, just so we have some room um and that zero number is a real pain you know you can't really easily go below zero when it comes to interest rates and so you you don't want to bump up against that too too frequently but with that said um uh, i i think the interest rates are probably about right um you know um again i wouldn't mind if they were uh, if we could if we could get a smooth way to get them a point or two higher that'd be fine but getting them a point or two higher Smoothly isn't so easy. If it was easy, they'd do it. No, I I, I hear you. Um, let Let's go to Let's go to Mike Mike Peters in New York. Go ahead, Mike. Yes, I'm here. Mike How Peters are you doing this evening? Yes, I'm here. Um, you know, I have a question for you though. The one thing is that we all know that it's important to keep American labor working, our factories open, producing, and for us to be able to sell our products overseas, but we can't sell a lot of our products, cars even, when you have our trading partners have 100 or 150% tariff on these products, and we're only putting a, a, a minute tariff on their products coming in. So if we balance the field, I mean, that's how it used to be in the old days, where you'd level it. And, uh, you know, these other, these other countries, and, they, and where, was, where was the country that just recently admitted said, well, we did it because you didn't seem to mind. So we just kept raising it and raising it, which helped their country out. And it kept their factories and their workers going full blast, but didn't help us whatsoever. We weren't selling anything over there. So there was a, a, an imbalance here that was costing us. So, yeah, we're getting it cheap, but it's costing us jobs, uh, product the factories weren't producing. How, how does it benefit us by that? I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out how you how you rationalize that. Well, bear, bear in mind, you know, we we right now have a historically low unemployment rate, so uh, it's hard to argue that we're we're really suffering with jobs now. Manufacturing jobs are not going away because of of international trade; they're going away because of automation. And that's, in fact, manufacturing output in the United States is not down; it's it's at, at historic highs. 
Uh, it's just that we don't need labor to, to make manufactured products now with the technology that we have. Uh, so we're creating jobs all over the place. Uh, we're not creating them in, in manufacturing because of automation. The fact that foreigners maybe have tariffs, I mean, it, I, I would disagree. I don't think it, they're not making their countries better off by taxing our products. They're making their countries worse off. And so the argument, I, 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 the way I see it, is you've got countries over there hitting themselves in the head, and and that's dumb for them to hit themselves in the head. So if you see someone hitting their head, it is not a good response to hit yourself in the head. And that's what I see the tariffs that we're doing. We say, well, they're being morons over there, making their country worse off. So let's do the same thing here to make it even. Um, that's not that, – that, to me, that's just not good logic. So, but I just, uh, I just read an article that – Opening yeah, I just read an article that – read an article that said that our cars are in demand in China, but they can't get them because the tariffs are very expensive to promote getting cheaper cars. That are pro- and that's hurting China. Produced, and that's hurting, hurting us. China. We're not selling the cars. Yeah, it's hurting the, the people, but it's hurting us because we're not, we don't have the market open where we can't sell them the way we used to. Well, well we've never we're not sold selling them. them. But, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it'd be great if we could open up the Chinese markets to American products, but uh, and if if these tariffs uh, have are, are will do that, and I remain to be, that frankly remains to be seen, um, then uh, then uh, I'll take back what I say. But um, so far, all I've seen is the response to our tariffs has been other countries increasing their tariffs in response, not decreasing. So um, you know we'll uh, we'll see. Uh, but I you know I don't think that most of the people that are supporting tariffs in this country, uh, and frankly, including the president, are doing so because they want to open up foreign markets. They're doing it because they, they are misguidedly thinking that that, that, that foreign, pro- foreign goods and services are making us poorer, and they're not. Well, uh, I'm, I'm saying that if, if all of a sudden a, a product that comes out of Mexico is costing me more money, it's cheaper for me to get essentially more a, a better product that's made here in the U.S. with U.S. labor – because now factories have opened up to fill that void, and it takes a year or two for that stuff to do for for that change to happen. Then it benefits us and our labor force and our factories. Um, so yeah, like you said, we're, it's we're going to have to wait and see how this pans out. Let, let, I know, I know, I know, uh, uh, I know. This guy has definitely has some thoughts. Uh, economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, Live Set, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. Dr. Michael Bussler, I know you've been listening. You got some thoughts? Uh, hi, hi, Rory. How are you? It's, uh, it's great to be here. Uh, I'll tell you, I've got a whole lot of thoughts. There was a whole lot of things I was, I was listening to. Um, as you know, I'm a strong uh, Trump supporter, um, and I think everything he, that he has done so far, especially with economics, uh, has worked very well um, and will continue to work well. Let me also say that I'm a free market economist and a conservative uh, economist. So uh, on the subject of tariffs, um, what President Trump really wants and what I would agree with is uh, free and fair trade, which means that there's no tariffs on anything. So what's been happening since Richard Nixon normalized relations with China is the agreements we have allow for us to put very small tariffs on their products and they put very high tariffs on our products, as was mentioned here. For instance, automobiles, we charge a 2.5% tariff uh, on cars made in China imported into the U.S. Uh, cars made in the U.S. imported into China 
is a minimum of 25% tariff, 50% on Corvettes, for instance. Uh, so as a result, we buy a lot of their products, and they don't buy very many of ours. And I say, well, the, high, the tariffs are hurting them. Um, actually, it's not because they simply don't buy American cars, and they buy Chinese cars uh, instead. Um, so it ends up helping the country. Who it hurts is the uh, U.S. manufacturers. Um, surprisingly, it is just as bad with food products. Um, China puts high tariffs on our food products, and it minimizes uh, how much we can sell to them. Now, does it hurt their people? Absolutely. But they buy the products from uh, somewhere else and end up paying a higher price than they would have paid for the, from the U.S. without the tariffs. But still, the Chinese government doesn't want their money flowing into the U.S., uh, and they encourage, uh, mostly by devaluating their currency, they encourage uh, the U.S. to buy cheap TVs, et cetera, uh, and we do. And for the last 15 or 20 years, there's been nearly $500 billion a year flowing into China and out of the U.S. Uh, so the way uh, – remember, Trump is a business person and not a politician, so he gets into office – and he sees all these terrible lopsided trade agreements. Every single one of them, for whatever reason, is slanted in favor of our trading partners and to the detriment of the U.S. So Trump is a businessman, doesn't do what a politician does. He doesn't convene a summit and uh, stretch this out for six months and then meet and convene another summit and kick the can down the road. A business person confronts the problem um, immediately. Uh, and comes up with a solution. So what President Trump did, he said to every one of our trading partners, I want to renegotiate all these trading deals. Every single partner said, no, we're not in any hurry to do this. They're all in our favor. So again, what does a business person do? A business person creates a sense of urgency, bring people to the table. So he starts slapping tariffs on everybody. Already, we have a new agreement with Mexico and Canada we have a new agreement with South Korea, India, and China for the first time ever is at the bargaining table uh, talking to us. Um, so all of these are causing some short-term pain, and surprisingly, the short-term pain is extremely minimal. Very little to consumers has caused minimal increase in prices. It has caused some pain in the agricultural industry because China retaliates by putting tariffs, uh, higher tariffs on our food products. So there are some pain there, but they, uh, Trump has allowed for um, a, uh, a multi-billion dollar uh, package to help some of the uh, farmers. <clears throat> uh, so the pain has been minimal, and I think we're going to end up with some long-term gain. Trump's policies are collapsing the Chinese economy. They need 6 to 10% annual growth in order to carry all the debt that they have. Their information coming from them is not 100% accurate, we don't believe, but it looks like that their economy is uh, going at about, growing at about half the pace it, it needs to, and they're, they're hurting. They're also paying a lot for food products because they are putting uh, those uh, tariffs on in retaliation. So I'm a free market economist. I hate seeing tariffs on anything, but Trump is using these tariffs as a tool. Um, it appears it's working so far with a minimal 
uh, minimum amount of pain. Um, and I think China is going to be brought to the bargaining table relatively soon uh, and come up with a deal. And if they don't, Trump will just put on more tariffs uh, on them that will make uh, Chinese products more expensive. And what ends up happening is the manufacturing is coming back to the U.S. Now, it's also true that the manufacturing that comes back here is capital intensive rather than labor intensive, which means we use robots and artificial intelligence on the assembly lines instead of labor. But even with that, manufacturing jobs have gone up by nearly 500,000 jobs since President Trump has taken office. So all of this, while it's uh, causing some uh, problems, uh, I think in the long term, it's going to have some very uh, good and positive results. Now, since I'm on a little bit of a rant here, let me continue with uh, one thing about the Federal Reserve. Um, <clears throat> interest rates, uh, by historical standards, are, are, are low. There's no doubt about that. However, they were near zero, and the Federal Reserve raised interest rates eight times since President Trump took office. So while they are still low, the acceleration, they've gone up so quickly that the economic growth, which finally hit 3% in 2018, could have been even higher had the Federal Reserve not been so aggressive, taking interest rates up a little slower and taking a, a little longer. They realize that they've made a mistake. And uh, I believe what will happen now, the second quarter GDP number will be out at the end of July, it's likely to show growth slowed to in the 2% range. The Federal Reserve will see that number before their uh, meeting at the end of the month, and I think it will result in interest rates going down by a quarter of a point, perhaps as much as a half a percent, and they'll probably keep them there for uh, a while, especially if the economy uh, does turn up, which is what we expect. Let me say one other thing about inflation. Um, I don't think uh, inflation, we, we know it's not a problem now. I don't think it will be um, in the near future, even if growth does accelerate to over the 4% rate, which is what we'd all like to see. And the reason is um, there are a couple theories to explain inflation. One says that, well, look, if wages are going up, labor costs are going up, and that's going to force prices up. And wages, as you know, are going up at over 3% annual uh, rate. So you start to worry about inflation. The reason that's not a worry is that um, the tax cut created new capital, which allowed um, for expansion and increases in productivity. The first quarter of this year, productivity went up 3.6%. So even though the wage went up, they were producing more goods. The per unit labor cost did not, did not rise. Um, so we're not going to get any um, inflation from wages as long as we keep that productivity up. The second thing why we're not likely to get inflation is the tax cut was uh, what economists would refer to as a supply side tax cut in that it uh, reduced the tax rate for corporations and uh, not only middle income earners, but also high income earners. That created capital. As long as business has new capital to expand, when you meet demand, they can meet it by increasing output rather than raising prices. And I'll take a break now. <laughs> uh, well yeah, said, so, uh, 
Robert Lawson, I want you to respond, obviously. I, I bet you have some thoughts. Go ahead. Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, I think actually we're, I'm, we're pretty much in agreement with almost everything. I I still um, I don't share the optimism that the tariffs um, policy is going to move us in a freer trade direction. Um, uh, so I'm not as optimistic on that front. I mean, we share the same goal. I want to see a world of no tariffs. Um, the way I think we've been doing that is 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 a slow and painfully slow way, and that's been through WTO and and before that GATT, um, and that's a not, it's a not, it's not a sexy process, but it's a process that's actually worked to to lower across the world tariff rates dramatically over the last 50 years. And uh, my worry is that if we get into a more politicized trade world. Um, you know, President Trump has uh, at most five more years. Um, we don't know what the next president, you know, if we arm the president with the, if we get it in our heads that the president of the United States is going to be using trade policy strategically like this, we might find it um, uh, in the hands of a, a person in a few years who we're not really happy with. So, uh, I, 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 again, like the Fed, I, I would prefer the trade policy be handed over to the pocket protector crowds. Let them have their boring meetings and wherever they meet, and hash out these deals. The deals are never perfect from a free market economist's point of view, but I worry about these um, these tariff battles. Um, some some may go our way here in the short run, but I, I'm not optimistic about that. But everything else I agree with. The comments about the Fed, interest rates, um, tax policy, the tax cut, um, tax reform was was fantastic for the American economy. Um, complete agreement. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin, Kevin, go ahead. Well, great to speak to you. You're definitely a very well-experienced uh, gentleman. And uh, so I completely uh, uh, concur with Dr. Butler. Um, and I would definitely uh, differ in, in one aspect. And then this is, this is just it. Uh, I don't necessarily agree with a free market. I, I don't think that's a realistic goal, and I don't think that's a long-term goal that would uh, advance American interests in the long term. And this is why. Uh, historically, we've seen that America has had certain free market policies that have detrimented them uh, tremendously. As mentioned before, what happened with Richard Nixon opening up trade with China, and now we have since then been in a, a very large trade deficit with the largest uh, – becoming superpower, uh, you know, communist China, and we see how we have absolutely subsidized a, such a communist country. And we've, we've seen how we have, as America, created uh, Saudi Arabia as a, a, a superpower as well. They are now the, the, I mean, until last year, they were the largest producer of, of oil from yeah, 1973 till 2018. And that was not in America's interest. Um, you know, we had full ability to become the largest producer of oil if we took advantage of that situation. We would have, you know, been able to uh, not been in a, a lower-ranking power position with all these OPEC countries. These, I mean, these are countries that we've been waging proxy wars and real wars with uh, for for quite some time. Iran, Iraq, now Venezuela, and uh, it's it's a, a lot of uh, geopolitical tension going on. We've been in a cold war with Russia, and of course we haven't had free market with Russia, so I, I think that's worked out well enough. But I mean, it it really is a, a power play that I don't believe in giving uh, subsidizing these countries that that hate America, that want to destroy us, they want to destroy our economy, they want to destroy our people, and to think that 
you know, money is the only variable in this whole equation, I, I think that's very short-sighted. And uh, if we, you know, give away our, our assets where we dominate, I think that's really uh, detrimental to our, our long-term survival as a, as a country and an economy. Uh, what do you think about that? Well, I guess I just don't share. Um, I don't. I don't see the threat that, for example, a trade deficit is. A trade deficit uh, means they we send fewer goods to them than they send to us. But um, the the flip side of that is uh, an inv- a capital account surplus. So, I mean, basically, what's going on with China since China liberalized um, is they um, have been sending us capital. <laughs> Uh, we they send us uh, goods, we but uh, and we send them money for those goods, and they turn that money back over to us for for capital improvements, which makes our economy more productive. So, um, right. just on the on that basis, I, I don't really see any any threat. To, I don't think there's a subsidy involved there. We're we're gaining, even if we run a trade deficit, we're gaining because that means we're going to be running a capital account surplus. Um, now, I, I, I have some sympathies for the geopolitical concerns. I mean, uh, we don't want to probably trade with bitter enemies, Iran and North Korea. Uh, I'm, I'm surprised to hear – I'm happy to hear you, you add Saudi Arabia to the list because I, I think if there's one country in the, in the world that foments a lot of discord and causes Americans real problems around the world, it's Saudi Arabia. Uh, and yet we keep selling them cheap arms and, and everything else. So, um, but you know, but forget about trade policy. We need to start stop sending them F-16s on the cheap. Um, that's the biggest subsidy that we're giving to to Saudi Arabia. Thank you. Yes, yeah. uh, Doctor Bustler, I'll let you respond, and I have to take a quick commercial. Yeah, let, let me just say one thing about the, uh, the trade with, with, with China and why a trade deficit is, is such a big problem. So, so um, as a result of everything that, that happens, uh, they sell us much more than, than they out a little bit to sell them. Um, so you run a $500 billion trade deficit every year. You say, and you, you made a comment that that was a good thing because they lend our money back to us finance our deficit spending. Uh, that's really not, a, I don't think, a very good thing. Dr. Butler, you're cutting out. kind of a, a, a bad thing. Um, I do agree Dr. with Butler, you, though, that our out. policy does have a tremendous amount of risk. We'll have to see what happens. Hello? Dr. Butler. Hello? Yeah, you, yeah. Dr. Butler, you were, cutting, you were cutting out. It was going in and out. Can you Can you repeat that, please? Uh, I was talking about the trade policy. Can you hear me now okay? Yeah, it's perfect now, yeah. Okay, okay. yeah. So with the, with the, with the trade policy, um, because China uh, does what they do, uh, they end up, uh, we end up um, buying from them um, hundreds of billions more every year than they buy from us. So they end up t- taking in all that uh, U.S. dollars. Uh, then they turn around and lend the money, our money. They lend that money back to us to help us finance the deficit spending that they have, uh, that the U.S. government has. So they're really just lending us back our, our, our own money, and it's not really such a good thing. I also made a uh, comment that um, I agree that the uh, tariff policy does come with a large amount of, of risk uh, for just 
the, right. the reasons that were mentioned here. But uh, the reason I think Trump is doing it is uh, the traditional route going through the World Trade Organization, et cetera, takes years and years. And this is something that, um, again, a business person, not a politician, wants to solve uh, as quickly as possible. So uh, he's forcing, he's creating this sense of urgency to get these people to the table to try to solve things. Admittedly, there is amount of uh, risk associated with this. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, Gianni, uh, Gianni from New York, I'll let you get uh, some thoughts in, and then we'll take a quick commercial. Go ahead. Absolutely. You know, I'm not the biggest fan of, uh, you know, unlimited free trade either because I'm very protectionist market. I'm just saying, because if you look at things like the NAFTA deal, look at all the other trade deals. If you look at uh, Donald Trump's support is mainly where in middle America and places like West Virginia and places like Pennsylvania. And what free unlimited trade did was. The business and the corporate interests, they looked out for their shareholders, and they looked out for their profits. They didn't care anything about the American people. They cared about their profits and their shareholders. So what they did was they shipped all the jobs to other countries because that's what free trade, unlimited free trade does. It says, hey, you can go anywhere. You can keep coming back and forth you know, from America to whatever country you want without any, uh, uh, any consequences. And I love what Trump's doing. He's putting tariffs on things, and we're like – Oh, well, it's raising the price of this and that. Yeah, because it's not made in America. That's the whole point of what he's trying to say is the made in America thing we need to bring back. I'm very much a nationalist, and I believe that we need to start, you know, making our cars in America and making, you know, things in America again. Yes, it's okay to have trade with countries and stuff like that, but it's not okay, you know, to have trade where they're ripping our country apart and they're tearing our, our economy apart. And what's going on is if you look in China, China is growing because that's what they're doing. They are uh, uh, hoping that the United States is stupid enough to have free unlimited trade with their business people because the, the business people and the corporate people here in America don't care about American workers. All they care about is going back and forth from whatever country gives them the most profit. Why do you think the Democrats want you know the, the many migrants to come in? Why do you think Therefore, illegal immigrants, and it's going to go back to the Koch brothers, which funds the Republican Party. Why are they for open borders? It's because they know that, guess what? You don't have to pay Americans a good and healthy uh, salary. All you got to do is pay for cheap labor and bring the migrants in, bring the legal immigrants in to work and things of that nature. That's exactly what they're doing. So that's why I believe we need the, the tariffs and we need to have a protectionist market because if we don't, the, 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 the corporate interests here in America, the corporate uh, uh, businesses are going to screw America over, and they're going to look out for their interests and their shareholders. You know, uh, what's really funny is that most of the support for, for protectionism doesn't come from people. It comes from corporate America. Corporate America sees uh, foreign competition is a great threat, and they go to Congress and they want these tariffs, steel, cars, agriculture, and on and on. The great people, the people that get hurt from, from protectionism are the very people you claim to be inf- uh, talking about, and that's consumers. Um, every time you go to the store and you buy a product, it's a, it's a quarter cheaper, a dollar cheaper, five dollars cheaper. That's sustaining our standard of living, making everything more expensive in this country does not make us better off. It makes us worse off. 
um, all you're really doing on the jobs front is, is, is just shuffling the deck. You're going to protect some jobs in some industries, and you're going to destroy jobs in other industries. And at the same time, you're going to hurt consumers. Um, I, don't, I don't really understand the logic. So, I mean, like, I don't, uh, all right, so, I, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but it's just like, how do you respond to the people that into, like, the NAFTA trade deals and all these other deals that was going on, especially in the 80s and the 90s, when their jobs were being shipped out to, you know, other countries? They were moving away. They were closing down. Like, do you think that, I mean, I will give you this if it's automation that's happening. That's one thing. I would agree that automation is something that America needs to step up on, uh, but... What do you think happened? Because the NAFTA was obviously a horrible deal, you know, and that destroyed the middle class right there. So I don't know, like, what do you, what do you think is the the issue? Why all the companies left and all the people, you know, the corporate interests were like, just like, all right, screw American workers, let's go anywhere else to make profit, like China and what they're doing with, uh, um, ah, I forgot the place in California, the big tech community, but you go into the tech community in California. And you see that a bunch of people from where China or Japan are moving in, Silicon you know, Valley. so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Silicon Valley. Yeah. They're moving in. So I would love your expertise on it, on that question. Well, I mean, I'm from Ohio, so you don't have to tell me about uh, job losses. Uh, my, my father, <laughs> most of my family members have lived through it. Uh, I, I guess, you know, I actually disagree. I, I mean, I think, you know, you, you say companies, only cared about the bottom line. What they cared about was providing products to consumers. And it was consumers that chose to buy these cheap tomatoes from, from the Mexican tomato growers or these cheap toys from, from China. At the end of the day, it's consumers choosing. And what you're really asking here is you're asking – you're not asking, actually. You're using government. So you're, you're basically telling American consumers, look, uh, you, we don't want you to have the freedom to buy a product from who you want to buy it from. We're, we're going to make you buy it from an American company to protect jobs. You know, I, I, I don't think that sounds very American. You, you, you know, you're going to let uh, let the government pick who I can buy from and who I can sell for, to. Um, this is not. This is actually what socialism is when the government sort of makes these decisions. I'm in favor of letting people decide who they buy from and sell from. If they happen to want to buy from a from a foreigner, um, uh, foreign company, uh, so be it. Um, I just don't, uh, don't, don't see it. Um, Dr. Butler, I'll get, I'll let you get the final word and then, uh, we'll go to commercial. We've got to go to commercial, but Hey, uh, Robert Lawson, please tell everybody where they can find your book and connect with you. Oh, sure. Uh, well, Google's Robert Lawson, easy to find, but socialism sucks. Two economists drink their way through the unfree world is, Available on Amazon, all the usual places, wherever you want to find it. Absolutely. And then, Dr. Butler, I'll let you get the final word. I know you want to respond to uh, Robert Lawson, and then we'll go to commercial. So uh, I'm actually going to agree with uh, Robert here. I, too, believe that uh, the consumer uh, should have the freedom to decide uh, what products that they want to buy and let the consumer in the marketplace decide uh, ultimately where all the products are made. So I agree with that. As long as everybody does this fairly, if everybody keeps the same uh, tariffs, either no tariffs or if everybody ends up with a 2.5% tariff, then the, the industries where we end up losing will end up picking up jobs in some other uh, industries and things will work themselves out. But I agree that uh, 
The consumer shouldn't be told what to do. It's consumers making free choice that really uh, uh, answers all the economic questions. So I'm going to agree with Robert on this one. Uh, well, well, very, very well said. And, and, and Dr. Butler, uh, if you can stick around, that'd be great. But if not, uh, please tell everybody where they can find you and connect with you. Yeah, so uh, I'm going to have to run, but uh, my Twitter is at mbusler. That's at M-B-U-S-L-E-R. And if you're on your Facebook page, search for Funding Democracy, Funding Democracy. Rory, thanks right, for having real, me. We'll real, see you again. Absolutely. And real quick, before you go, last question. I'm asking you know, a lot of economists and different people, what are your thoughts on Trump putting 95% uh, American steel uh, in place of Basically, it was you had to use fifty percent before, but now it's ninety five percent. Well, um, I, I'm generally a free market economist, so I don't like setting things like this. But uh, because of the way there's unfairness, this is one way to level the uh, playing field a little bit. So I'm going to say yes, I'm in, in favor of this. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Uh, well, we'll have you back, Doctor Butler, next week. We we always appreciate you. Uh, thank you, my friend. All right. See you next week. Yep, good. All right. We will be right back, everybody. Stay with us. We're coming right back with Will Johnson from United America First. Would you know what to do in the event of an active shooter, a terrorist attack, or an unforeseen altercation? Whether at home or in the workplace, SkyRace Security can train you and your employees how to defuse a potential violent situation. Our goal at SkyRays Security is to keep our clients safe. With our professional and experienced Israeli Defense Force trainers, we teach strategies for safety that may someday save lives. Sign up at SkyRaysSecurity.com for our workplace violence prevention and training classes or call 240-888-0682. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Are you an aspiring entrepreneur? Do you have an app idea? Do you want to save money? Well, I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. And all of our work is the same amount of professionalism you'd see from any other company. Uh, please visit our website, GetYourAppBuilt.com, for your free consultation and contact us today. Thank you. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Please visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com for all your authentic, customized, and creative President Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find products like this anywhere else. And best part of all, it's made here right in the USA. Use Mega45 at checkout for 30% off your first purchase. Again, visit TheDonaldJTrumpStore.com today for a wide variety of great selections. Thank you. Is video a part of your strategy for 2019? Hi, I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, your remote video production specialist. Using equipment you already own, I help you deliver high-value videos to your audience. From interviews and demonstrations to online meetings and trainings, I work with you to shape your stories and subjects that demonstrate your subject matter expertise. If you're a product specialist, sales executive, or business owner, we make video production simple and affordable. We do this so that you can make videos on a regular basis, whether it's daily, weekly, or monthly, to communicate about the topics and discussions that are important to you, your audience, and your business. 
To make your videos, we use HD video conferencing that allows you and your guests to connect to our studio from your home or office using your laptop, phone, or tablet. Once you and your guests have connected to our studio, we do all the rest. We take care of the TV graphics, the intro videos, the outro videos, the music, the behind-the-scenes production. Everything that it takes to either live stream or locally record your video for post-production editing to social media, whether it's YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. If you're tired of seeing the empty balloon commercials that are being made by your competition's social media experts, give me a call. I work directly with you, the subject matter expert, to help shape your story and ideas in a professional and polished manner via video. If you're ready to take a deep dive on your expertise and showcase the essence of your business via video, give me a call or connect with me online. I'm Rob Hicks with Hicks Video, the remote video production specialist, the doer's resource for online video production. And we are back. The Rory Sauter Show, coast to coast, worldwide. Listen to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And everybody, if you miss any past clips, past episodes, or need 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit my media site, dnexgenusa.com. And remember, in about a month, we will be launching the brand-new 24-7 uh, network. We're very excited. Uh, we're raising a lot of money for it. And we'll be having show hosts from all over the United States that are very popular people, as well as overseas doing their own shows. Um, and we will be having America's toughest sheriff, good friend of mine, Joe Arpaio, and uh, director of Jihad Watch, Robert Spencer, as the main faces of the network. So a lot of great stuff planned. Very exciting. I uh, I'm uh, really looking forward to it. We've got a lot, a lot planned for it. Um, I do want to welcome to the show a very popular guy, do, doing very big stuff right now. Uh, we, love, we love having him on. Popular talk show host, entrepreneur, political activist, and freedom fighter, Will Johnson. Will, welcome back. How are you, my friend? Hey, thanks for having me on, Rory. Absolutely, Will. Well, it's, it's good to have you here, man. Uh, you know, it's been a while, man. Tell us, tell us what you're working on. What, what's what are the latest uh, projects? I know you just moved to Texas, but I know you're still doing a lot of your activism stuff. Yeah. Um, so just briefly, uh, I got laid off at my job in California of doing IT, and I have been doing IT for about 20 years. So now um, I just I decided to uh, jump in head first to do the activism thing and to pursue doing more for the country than me just sitting behind a camera and behind a keyboard talking about it. Um, I couldn't do it in California because the cost of living in California is just too much. It just costs too much to do anything. So um, I think Texas, I truly believe that God brought, uh, brought me to Texas because Texas is like, the next state that the Democrats are trying to conquer, they've already destroyed California. Um, Texas, and I truly believe Texas is next. Yeah, Will, it's it's scary because there's already parts of Texas that are blue, and it's, you know, overall it could change to purple at any time. But, you know, luckily right now it's still red, but I wouldn't say by much. I mean, it could – it could. it's getting scary with how many people are invading Texas that are from left-wing areas, you know? Oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, just to be clear for anyone who's listening, is that I don't believe that I'm the the save-all for uh, for Texas, not at all. But right. you know what? I, want, I pray that I can change minds to wake people up 
to what the left is trying to do to this country. I mean, you know, yeah. just briefly, uh, we, if we can, we can talk about the the four horse horse women of the apocalypse. You know, no, but um, <laughs> the squad. But, <laughs> you talking about the squad? Yes, the squad. But I call them the four horse women of the apocalypse because that's what they're trying to bring to America. They're, they're literally trying to destroy this country, this nation. But um, so I moved to Texas to to do this head on, and right now I'm still kind of in transition, trying to get a, a permanent place of residence. And then once I do that, then I'll get my studio back up and running. But meantime, I've had the honor and pleasure to to host and to be a guest here on the Austin in Austin on the Infowar shows. So that's been pretty exciting. Yeah, I know. I know you've been doing that for you know even before you've been in California. You would always, you know, frequently you'd be a guest on Alex Jones' show, and you'd even host it. So I mean, you you're you got that in your corner, which is huge, man. Yeah, so it's, I see it all as a blessing. Even though the you know influence is being attacked with it the way they are, many 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 people know what's going on. So we have to all engage, and we have to get in this fight one way or another. I mean, because the left is trying to destroy the country, and like I was saying, the the four horsewomen of the apocalypse, mm-hmm. calling you know <laughs> President Trump a racist, and these <laughs> nasty, despicable women that that's complaining about America, and Trump is completely right, and I'm in total agreement. If you don't like this country, I don't even care if you were born in this country. If you don't like the country, there's nothing keeping you here. Yeah, and, and that you know, you know it, it, the, the reality is, and I want I want to play you know for anybody that didn't hear this clip earlier, and Trump's absolutely right. I mean, he stands by his comment today about you know, it, you know, and he's telling everybody what we're all thinking. You know, these ungrateful pricks. If they're not happy, leave. But I want to play yes, this clip. Yes, exactly. Then, you know, absolutely. Let me play this clip, like thirty second clip. Here's Trump. We're coming out in breaking news because the president is speaking inside the cabinet room at the White House. Let's watch. Appreciate it. Thank, Thank you, President. Thank you, President. Mr. President, the Democratic Congresswomen should leave if they're not happy. Where should they go? It's up to them. Go wherever <laughs> they want, or they can stay. But they should love our country. They shouldn't hate our country. You look at what they've said. I, I have clips right here. The most vile, horrible statements about our country, about Israel about others. Uh, it's up to them. They can do what they want. They can leave, they can stay, but they should love our country and they should work for the good of our country. I right, thank you very much. There you go. And I, I, guys, I know I played this clip twice today, but I, I just love how he stands by his statement and he never, he never goes back. He never, you know, he never uh, apologizes. He sticks by what he says and there's nothing racist about anything that came out of his mouth. You know, it's just the mainstream media trying to spin this BS, just like they spin anything. He takes a shit wrong, they'll spin it. He sips his water wrong, they'll spin it. I mean, these people are, uh, they're ridiculous, man. They're animals. They're despicable. They are are despicable. They're sinister. They are diabolical. They are doing everything they can 
to undermine the American people to try to destroy President Trump. No, good and well, he didn't say anything racist. He didn't come out. Did he say the words, go back to Africa? I mean, if, if what is it, Ilhan Omar? I believe, where she's from? Uh, where, I can't Somalia. remember the name of the country. That she, Somalia, thank you, from Somalia. For all I care, she it's, ever since she came over here, to my understanding, she came over here for amnesty. Ever since she's been here, she's been complaining about America. She was on welfare, taking advantage of the system in America, brought her, married her brother, brought her brother over here, and now all of a sudden she becomes a representative in Congress, and she's complaining about America, as she, and she's supposed to be serving this country. You know, I, I was listening on Fox News earlier, and there was a gentleman on there, if you want to call him a gentleman, he's on there with Laura Ingram, and he was sitting there saying that they're only doing this because they want to make America better. This dude is smoking meth and crack together because there's no way that these these four women want to make America better. All they're trying to do is destroy and make it look like President Trump is racist when he's not racist. This goes for anybody. I don't care who you are or where you come from. If you hate this country just like President Trump, you don't have to stay. And you know what? Another thing, these spineless Republicans, once again, not stepping up, supporting the President of the United States, telling these stupid people, these evil people that, hey, if you don't like it here, by all means, leave. There's no reason for you to be here. But see, they can't leave. They're not going to leave. And the reason why? Is because they see America for what it is, and it is the greatest country on the earth. And their goal is to destroy this great country. Yeah, and, and look at, look at all the dis- look at all the disgusting problems that we're facing. I mean, look at the Antifa violence. Look at the transgender weightlifters that are trying to be normalized and transgender athletes. And also look at places like Minnesota that. You know, ban the pledge allegiance. A certain a certain district or county in Minnesota ban the pledge of allegiance, but recently they had to reinstate it because of the backlash. I mean, look at these animals that are trying to do all this anti-American, you know, bullshit to to our. I mean, they're just trying to put this, you know, everywhere and, and, and force it down our throats. I mean, these people are animals. They are not proud of America. No, you're absolutely right. They're they're not proud of America at all. I mean, <clears throat> why? You know, they were complaining about President Trump because President Trump took the heat off of Nancy Pelosi, and I'm pretty sure you discussed this. They took the heat off of Nancy Pelosi because AOC called Nancy Pelosi racist, and then jump Trump jumped in there, and now they're targeting Trump. But these, these Democrats are so gullible, so naive, just blatantly stupid that they took the bait. So now Trump is, is showing everybody that these four women of the uh, – these four horsewomen of the apocalypse, they are the leaders of the Democrat KKK party. And people still don't get it. And you know what? Is, I'm, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm glad Trump did what he did. Because he's exposing yeah. them for what they are, and that you know what, 
That's why Nancy Pelosi went on the floor today trying to make it look like President Trump is doing wrong and President Trump is the one that's being racist because she's trying to interject herself back in because she knows exactly what's happening. She knows exactly that these four idiots are becoming the leaders of the Democrat Party, and they're excluding Nancy Pelosi. And you know, you know what one of the biggest issues is in this entire in this entire situation is the fact that the mainstream media, no matter what, they always back up the Democrats. They always find some sort of narrative or spin to make the Democrats look good. They want to make the Republicans look as bad as possible, and that, that's that's a real that's a really big problem. I mean, I you know, and, and I've said I've said for a long time that I think President Trump needs to take action. Uh, for you know, with different libel libel situations, because uh, there are libel laws, there are slander laws, there are you know d- different you know spreading uh, fake false uh, reports about people. You can be sued for that. I mean, there's a lot of things that these news organizations go into very you know uh, pr- problems with legality. I mean, you know, especially uh, some of the things they report, and it's a lot of gray areas. I mean, they, these news stations are playing with fire. And and there's no surprise that these people they get sued constantly, uh, these news stations because of all the the bad stuff they put out. But I think Trump needs to do more. I think there needs to be regulations. I think there needs to be laws put in place. Uh, I not in a communism sense, but in a sense that you have to be on. You can't. You have to be honest. You know, you can't just write a story that that suits your imagination just because it feels good. It has to be factual. And I and I like what Trump's doing right now. For instance, with taking uh, action on tech censorship, going after Google right now, possibly. I mean, we saw Peter Thiel come out, who's a, a billionaire, one of the board members at Facebook, the high ups there, and also co-founder of PayPal. He's a big Trump supporter, one of the very few in Silicon Valley. But anyways, he came out the other day and is recommending to Trump that he look at Google uh, for treason. So President Trump took that advice, and President Trump announced today that he will be looking at companies like Google for treason and all the stuff they're doing. Um, and that's, you know, and I think that's just the, the start of it. I think Trump's going to, you know, strongly deal with Twitter, Facebook, uh, and some of these media companies. Like I said, the fake news, CNN, uh, MSNBC, I, I just think it's one step at a time. But thank God we have a president that actually takes action and, uh, you know, really takes this sort of stuff seriously. Because let's face it, I mean, technology and media is the future of our, of our country. I mean, this is, this is what people rely on for their information in their everyday life. No, you know what? I completely agree with you. I mean, if he doesn't get a handle on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and Google, and Periscope, and the rest of these, you know, it's the it's the main three, of course. But the social media is one of the main reasons why Trump is president today. And it wasn't because oh, yeah. of Russia. Oh, it, yeah. it was because of people like you. It was because of people like me. It was because of people who did not want that witch, Hillary Clinton, in office. It was people that didn't want us to go down the same path Obama was already taking us on. We didn't want that. So we – and you know what? To be honest with you, a lot of people were like, okay, well, I have the choice between Trump and Hillary, and we know that Hillary is so corrupt, we're going to yeah. go with Trump. And people didn't realize that going with Trump was one of the best things the American people could have done. And the, and the left, they are just absolutely 
ballistic. They're they're completely just just baffled that the American people would select President Trump over Hillary Rodden Clinton. And he's right. got to get he's got to get these social media platforms on the wrap because if he doesn't, yep. what's going to happen is that Facebook, Twitter, and Google, all they're going to do is what they've been doing, and they're going to double down and make it harder for us to see any positive content on President Trump. And then they're going to have people that's so naive that's out there when they go on social media, they're going to believe that no one wants to support President Trump, and that is their goal. You remember? I don't know if you recall, but right after the 2016 election, Google had a panel of people on stage talking about how can we stop this from happening again? What can we do in the next election to prevent another Donald Trump from becoming president? Why in the world would Google want to do anything to affect the presidential election in America? And yeah, Google has it has is known that Google is working with China. And that's why yeah. Google and AI. Facebook and Twitter yeah, that's why they're doing their that's why they're doing their whole social social I call it socialist media programming against people, telling people what they can and cannot say on a platform. Your freedom of speech yeah. is no longer there because they get to say it's our company and we get to do what we want to do, which is total BS because if I op- if if I open up a store and say that I cannot offer services to gay people, they're going to try to shut me down. Yeah. Yeah, and this, this is this is what we're dealing with. I mean, it is it is scary. Uh Kevin, Kevin go ahead. It's so great to have you on. Um yeah, I've been following you ever since that you were at uh, ASU for the veterans uh flyers um and then uh to raise awareness for all those illegals that had killed actual veterans. Um and then so what had happened just for all the listeners is uh, Antifa showed up. They were well masked, um, completely looked like thug ninjas or and whatnot, tearing up the flyers. And they'd even punched Will Johnson. Um, I believe uh, the shoved and Jesus. punched you. Yeah, and this isn't the the first time this has happened, or or the last time either. And it's just really surprising that uh, that we see historically speaking that these uh, Antifa people that get arrested. I mean, they're almost or entirely all white. And uh, you know, Will Johnson is. <laughs> You know, he's black. He's, you know, and they're calling him a racist. It's 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 absurd. So, and then, you know, where I'm tying this back to, which is absolutely ridiculous too, which uh, recently happened, is how you have these social media companies that are uh, saying that. Uh, well, besides the fact that what we talked about earlier, that uh, all these threats and acts of violence are uh, not a, a big deal for the police, but especially now we're seeing that it's not a big deal for these social media companies. They're saying um, along the lines of you're allowed to you know, direct threats and acts of violence towards people that we deem, you know, not politically correct or, you know, threats to, you know, the uh, de- democratic narrative. And I think uh, you would fall under that category, or if you're not now, very soon I think you will be. Um, yeah, what do you think about how, how bad it's gotten and kind of what you've experienced out there? I think it's going to actually get worse. I mean, just look at what happened in uh, on the border with the uh, the Antifa martyr. You know what I'm saying? And then within was it Colorado where they pulled down the American flag and put up the Mexican flag and then wrote um, something with no, no to ice and put the on American flag and flowed upside down. 
what we're seeing, I think, is just another, just a, just the beginning. And I think I truly believe that Antifa, and and a lot of people don't say anything about BLM, but I'm including BLM and BAM. I truly believe that they're going to get more violent and more militant as 2020 gets closer because they see that President yeah. Trump is going to win. They see it. That's why they're doing what they're doing. And they're, and then you tell anyone that oh ICE at the ICE members and the Border Patrol they're harboring and they're keeping these children in these prison camps and these concentration camps. Who would be happy if that was actually true? No one would be. But see, right. they know that these Antifa members and all of them are so easily manipulated, they believe it, and then they run with it. So, it, I mean, it's going to get a lot worse. None of it's going to yeah. slow down. Yeah. Uh, Gianni, go ahead. Uh, yeah, you know, I've been liking everything Will is saying. You know, I, I would say, um, you know, Trump, the whole tweet thing that came up, I, I I get his intent. His intent was to say, you know, you're complaining about America, but if you don't like it here, go somewhere else. There's so many other countries. You know, they like to talk about Sweden and all these other places. Then go there then. Go there since you like socialism. Go to Venezuela. Go to Cuba. Go to all these other places that you think is so much better than America. I do get that, and I totally 100% agree. Um, I would say he, President Trump, he he was kind of ignorant in saying what he said about go back to your, you know, your country. Like three of them were actually born here. One of them immigrated when they were six years old, you know. So, you know, I feel like that was very ignorant of him to say say that about them, you know. And I think the question I'm gonna play devil's advocate. The question someone asked me today when I was talking about this, they were like do you think President Trump would tell Nancy Pelosi to go back to Italy because she's, you know, white, European, whatever? Do you think that he told those four women of color or whatever that go back to your country because they were women of color, but he wouldn't say that to a white person that attacked them to say, hey, go back to your country? And I'm not saying that I agree with that from what that person said, but, I mean, they do bring up a good point. It's like, hey, would he say that to – a, a white person in Congress and that, Hey, you go back to your country if you don't like it. So I get that. Um, you know, but like I said, I do agree with president Trump and what he totally said is like, Hey, don't go, go to your countries. That's crime infested with Somalia is Puerto Rico is like the, you know, their uh, heritage go back to those countries. Yes. All of them are crime infested. All of them are terrible. And the leadership is terrible. Even if they have leadership, like he said, so everything he said is true, but that does bring up a good point, which is like, you know, is, you know, would he say that to a European-American person? Like, hey, you go back to Italy or go back to uh, Great Britain or go back to Paris. Right. Would he say that? May I interject? Yeah, yeah, I was asking you that question. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so we, we got about a minute, I mean, I, we got about see, a minute left. Okay. Okay, I'll say it real quick. I see your point, but the problem is have, I've never, as much as I've seen Nancy Pelosi go on any public forum, I've never seen Nancy Pelosi say how much she hates America or how bad America is. Now, she talk about Trump. She'll talk about Republicans. She even talk about Fox News. But she, I've never, ever heard her say America is bad. And the thing is, if I go to your home and I step in your home and I tell you, that, you know, your home is terrible. 
you need to change your home. You need to take these pictures down and put up the pictures that I want. You're liable to tell me to get out, rightfully so. And that's exactly yeah. what's happening here. And even, even right. though well, even though you have a child, your child grows up. I don't like it here anymore. Your home, your home is that bad, Dad. I hate it here. I hate it here. At some point, when that little child becomes an adult, you're going to be like, okay, get a job and get out. <laughs> it um, has nothing to do with color. And the only reason why they're going on color because they're trying to change the Democratic Party to be the, the color party. It's right. Sickening. Uh, right. Well, well, well said, Will. Uh, Will, please tell everybody where they can find you. UnitesAmericaFirst.com because we have to unite America first. <laughs> Gianni, please tell everybody where they can find you. Uh, you can find me on Facebook at Gianni Rodriguez with the Z. Again, that's Rodriguez with the Z dash Paris with the two R's. Perfect. And then, uh, Kevin, go ahead. Oh, yes, you can find me on social media at Nationalist United. Uh, thanks for a great show, Rory. Absolutely. Thanks, Kevin. Um, AJ, I will give you the last word if you can make it 30 seconds. We do got to go, but go ahead. Big time, I want to let everybody know what the heck is going on is absolutely impossible to beat Donald Trump with what he's doing. The tariffs working. He's first president to ever use them. Everything's going good. The Democrats are not liking it because he's in their pocket. And the worst part about it, these idiots on uh, Washington Post, a uh, Christian woman, asking, pleading for Barack Obama to come back yeah. and fix what the mess he made. you got to laugh at that because that is a joke in itself. He, they asked him for Barack Obama to come back. I would love for him to show up so we can get <laughs> answers about stuff. I would love for him to come back. I want answers. But the thing of it is, we better get ready because the time right now is now to save this country because this is the election of all elections. We gonna use we gonna I, I, win the House and the thing the uh, white the thing I mean the House and the White House. Absolutely, and we're gonna win the Senate, the House, and the White House. We're gonna do it all. Uh, AJ, please tell everybody where they can connect with you, and uh, we'll be excited to have you on the next episode. And AJ from Houston, big time AJ from Houston, and uh, I'll be on Joe Pag, Sean Hannity. Uh, Blim Willie, uh, it, it, I'm everywhere, guys. Rush Limbaugh, I'm everywhere. Yes. Looking to be on All this right. show. Uh, just keep All the good work up, and I'll check you later. Thanks, AJ. Always a pleasure, my friend. God bless. I want to. I want to thank everybody for tuning in tonight. It's been a fantastic show. I want to thank all my audience, my guests, my co-hosts and sponsors. You guys are all incredible. The show is listened to in 24 different countries on nearly 70 online platforms. And if you miss any past episodes, past clips, we meet 24-7 breaking news coverage, visit our media site, thenextgenusa.com. We will see you all on Thursday night, everybody. Huge show plan. Uh, God bless you. Uh, I'm Rory Sodder. Mega, mega, mega. Cheers, everybody. Much love.